Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard, the young, the young Grognard, kicking it to you live with an episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign. With the adventure, the herald, and the quest, the present. See, I can do it right. I can do it right. I did it first try. Uh, in the last episode of the show, our party uh, confirmed their eerie suspicion about the king of Azkabellum, uh, finding out that our friend the king was actually a doppelganger. And after having uh, vanquished and kicked his butt, as well as the butt of the steward, our party had managed to realize some very interesting bits and bobbles of information here, such as the fact that the current king, the true king, uh, seems to be somewhere based in the Southlands, amongst the thief princes in the kingdom of Tychalon and the capital city of Kalqui. The doppelganger warned Jarzak, and uh, yeah, it was Jarzak and Norhill that were playing good cop and not as good cop, right? No evil cop and not as evil cop i think that's what it was something like that it wasn't great uh there was a zone of truth that nobody needed but in the end uh the uh doppelganger's word uh made it very clear that it was not going to be easy for the party to figure out what was going on with the uh king and where he was right now the party have realized that the thief princes or some princes apparently there's a fox prince and there's a crocodile prince uh, what any of that means to anybody, that's for them to find out. Um, did a lot of other information searching and found out weird mentions of an old man. We found out weird mentions of the princes. Um, but yeah, it sounds like our party's next step is to go far to the south. So I suppose we'll start again now after Jarzak drags his... Uh, unconscious buddy back from the road that he was going to set him free upon uh, and just locks him back up in his prison cell within the uh, Gnomish Tower there. Um, at this point, the party is all gathered back together again. And I'm trying to think about the time of day. I mean, you met with the council not long before you went downstairs and checked in. Then you brought the unconscious guy up. So I think it's actually probably around two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. It's It's not that late, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I suppose the party will uh, meet again uh, just outside the cell. Well, did we get what we needed? Uh, yeah, we we got some info. The, the king's being held by some croc prince something in the south. Hmm. Can I do a history check? Oh, sorry. 
History check on what? If I if that that print name, like if there's if it means anything. No, I mean, uh, the only thing I'd say is that because you guys have heard the term thief princes before, the use of two names being prince in the south, in Taihuan specifically, seems to lead you to believe that these may be the same princes. But as far as, you know, like the truth of Taihuan, the idea of them being like princes in an actual ruling sense is more of a uh, an urban legend kind of thing. There are actual lords of Taihalon. But the quote unquote princes, that's more of like one of those uh the true rulers, you know what I mean? The shadowy puppets behind there. So hearing and validating that these masked individuals are a thing sort of confirms in you the suspicion that a lot of people have about that. Cool. Sorry, Kliga. No, it's okay. Kliga was just making a noise. Um, should, do we want to go and try and free the king then? I feel like we may need him. I don't know if his army's going to listen to anyone else. The council made it sound as if he's the only one who's going to be able to lead the armies of Ascabello. And not to mention that the next in command would not be able to fill his shoes very easily. And being in such an uneasy political position, it definitely makes it seem like this is a very dire situation where they do need him. Especially because the party are able to confirm, at least to some extent, from what the doppelganger tells you, that he is still alive. They definitely, the doppelganger definitely made it seem like he's worth a lot more alive than dead. So nobody in their right mind would just kill him unless they had a very, very good reason to. I mean, if we free him, he'll probably be a lot more understanding about the whole we probably aren't going to give him, um, you know. Amaroth. Amaroth. The whole wingdang doodle. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so I suppose logistically speaking for what the party would know when they're having a moment to sort of digest this information, um, leaving from Enton and heading all the way to the Southlands of Calqui, um, the party, it's probably going to be about a month of travel if you guys are going to be traveling on foot. Um, otherwise, it'll be half the time mounted. Uh, and especially because the wave rate seems to be... Uh, not not working so well. It seems like the party have two options. Either wait for the Wave Wraith to be completely repaired, or make their way. Considering that the Wave Wraith is a one-of-a-kind magitechnical marvel, it might not actually be faster to wait for the, <laughs> the Wave Wraith to be repaired. Fair enough. As far as a... Uh geographical layout of the uh, regions to the south. Um, could I get a history check from everybody? Um, I think Norhill is probably the only one that I'll give a pass to just because being on the like southern border of Amaroth where you don't actually like, I don't know, like the people that would come into the Dwarvish trade posts would be people from the south. It seems very clear that you would know a lot more about the lands to the south of you. So I'll give you advantage on it, Anthony. Neat. 
Uh, 21. Okay. What about everybody else? Those who rolled. 14. 10. Nice. 18. Nice. Okay. So everybody is aware, um, in a general sense, of Taihalon being the most southern, most nice um, uh, settlement, or at least, sorry, the uh, region, geez, words, uh, of the uh, southern half of Amaroth. It is a pretty large place, is a, 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 quite a bit of desert and arid land, um, broken up into three major cities, with Kalkui being the uh, capital. Um, besides that, there are a lot of, how do I say this, city-states and forts along the way. So it's less of like really declared like countries and lands and more so just like claimed territories and a lot of conflict in between them. So honestly, the Halls of Silver and Steel Act is such like a buffer from that. And the reason why Amroth has such power compared to the rest of the land being just the same amount of size is that Amroth has just been united. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the conflicted little mini states. It almost reminds me of like the Holy Roman Empire before its fall, where it's just so complicated and so many small places that if they did join together, they'd be able to womp Amroth in no time. But there's a lot of conflicting groups down there. Now, um, I believe everybody who got a 15 or higher is a lot more aware of who's down there. Um, I think everybody would be pretty well aware of the next most important settlements, and that is Shock Lee and Selshuk. Um, Selshuk is, uh, nestled deep within a thick and, uh, steamy jungle. Um, it is a mass expanse of jungle and I guess Selshuk to put it, uh, nicely is a very strange and arcane place that a lot of people have never seen with their own eyes and only hear the stories of it. Um, whereas Shakli is... Um, a lot more of an approachable place uh, run as a militocracy by a warlord. So a lot of people know that, um, yeah, know of those places. I will say the people who got above the 15, though, um, are pretty well aware that, again, the political strife between these places is pretty intense. There's obviously a lot of settlements along the way that sort of align with one or the other or all three of them. Um, but again, for the most part, the main road that connects uh, the Dune Road that leads down to the Southlands, uh, there's a lot of action on that road. Um, I'm trying to think of what else would be important to tell you guys from here on out. Um, I know that with a 21 that Norhill got, uh, Shockley is ruled by a warlord. Uh, it is a place that I would describe as being very much so lawful neutral, where their own ways, their own honorable way of living is most important to them. And in a lot of cases, it gets them in trouble where they are very permissive of the evil ways of certain people, only because those people aren't nearly at ends with themselves. You get what I'm saying? It's one of those kind of Switzerlandy kind of things where people are like, oh, see, it says neutral. And it's like, yeah, but you've been pretty permissive of some evil stuff. And they're like, no, but we're neutral. We didn't do it. So, yeah. Whereas Selshuk, as uh, Norhill knows from people who told him strange stories, it is a very mythical and strange ancient place ruled over by what can only be described as a shaman of spirits. Uh, some people know her to be a powerful caster, but other people know her as the crazy person who screams like an animal and eats like wild vegetables on all fours. So there's a lot of very interesting culture to be found down there. But again, beyond that, smaller settlements.
what does Norville know about Kalqui specifically? Um, I would say the main crash course on on uh, Taihalon, which again I'd say everybody has a very general idea. Um, Taihalon overall is a very religious series of cities. Um, again, like I told Ronnie earlier, people know it to be ruled by the thief princes, but in reality, like there are three lords who rule over the three major cities, and together they, you know, rule over Taihalon. Um, but everybody is under the impression that there's something else going on underneath that. Uh, as far as Calqui goes, it's an ancient settlement uh, that's right on the farthest southern coast. Like, you could not be farther away from this place if you tried. Um, but again, it's a desert city. Um, the most important, I guess I would say, location in this place is known as the Celestial Dome. Um, it is a mass metal structure that uh, itself is, I don't want to say this, um, within the dome, there are metal, like, there's like pinpricks in the metal that for each god that has ever existed or will ever exist, the pinprick is made for their star, okay? And so all the constellations that have ever existed in time exist within the dome, and depending on the time of year or the time of night or the time in, you know, millennia, different pinpricks will realight. And so it's a very strange pilgrim, like like a, a stop for pilgrimages where people will find like the star spot and will worship there. So it's a very superstitious and very religious place with a lot of very weird customs all happening all at once. Helqui is also known as a city of festivals where any one day traveling one road to another, you'll go through like three different parades to, to three different religions and each one of them will be mad at you for not singing their song. So interesting stuff, but you don't get the name Thief Prince, you know, run society without there being quite a lot of crime as well. So interesting stuff. Um, does Norhill know about any active hostilities between uh, Shockley and Kalkwe? No. Taihalon and them have a very firm understanding. And again, the neutrality of a place like Shockley allows them to do business with them with no issues, and they act as sort of a buffer from a lot of the uh, nonsense that comes from the north to the south, and in the same regard, they also act as sort of a safe haven for... <clears throat> mercenaries who travel through the land possibly charging people in the north a great sum of money to help out in warfare all right uh so with all of that information uh and delivering some other the additional salient points uh norhill says i think that our best bet will be to ride down the dune road to Chakli, where we can perhaps charter a boat to make it as far as calqui without having to cross the desert ourselves Sounds good to Klika. Maybe we can find some um, teleportation circles along the way in some of their major cities. <laughs> Could you imagine? It's like, oh, teleportation circle? We've had one of those for a long time. Why didn't you just ask? And it leads just straight down there. <laughs> um, But, okay. So... I suppose the party will have an opportunity to meet with the council. Um, you already met with them a few days prior uh, to explain, you know, there was kind of a doppelganger running amok. Um, 
So since having exacted justice and learned a bit of information, the party now have quite the opportunity to, uh, I guess, plan their trip. Um, I don't want to say the uh, city's resources are your own, but if you guys want food, you can have it. If you want a carriage, you can have it. Wave Wraith, not so much. Okay. What provisions do you think the party are going to try to muster up? I mean, I can have prepare food and water ready, so we don't have to worry too much about carrying. That's good. Yeah, mounts and provisions for the mounts are probably more important. Okay. And the mounty mud pies, too? Or just that? I mean, I'd imagine you'd be able to feed them some vegetables you'd be able to conjure up with your meal. I don't think you're going to be feeding them hot dogs and hamburgers, but... <laughs> Or just feed the party veggie yeah, veggie dogs. Scary. Um. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I'm curious. Are there any, like, what options do we actually have for like mounts? Like, is it really just horses, or is there anything a little bit more fast? Uh, no, like, I mean. As far as mounts go, it really would just have to be riding on horses. But the opportunity to take things like a carriage or whatever, those are, you know, other options. But again, the problem is, is that having a carriage, while it will mean you'll have more uh, room for transport, it'll slow you guys down. Yeah, and I mean, we've got a pretty, like, sweet setup with the tent. So I don't think we have to be as worried about being... Uh as worried about being comfortable while traveling and also traveling in a carriage will probably attract some unwanted attention in a land known for you know uh constant small-scale wars and banditry okay does anybody else have any opinions on that you guys ready to love another horse again and then set them free? I don't yeah. even. I, I don't God. even. I don't even name them anymore. <laughs> All right, I gotta name a new one. Um, Tallywhack. Did you say Tallywhack? Next horse is Tallywhack. Tallywhack. Tally for sure. I don't know that Tallywhack means what we all think it means. Does it have I feel like a tallywhacker is something we shouldn't say on the radio. Shouldn't be a, shouldn't be dropping here on the podcast. Well, luckily for us, this isn't the radio. It's tally. All for right, sure, well, Dan. They they alarm you that the horse's name is actually Cock and Balls, so you're yeah. gonna have to respect that. <laughs> I want my dog's name to be Dick the Cock Johnson. Good. I'm glad we all take this very seriously. I'll, I'll choose a different one. No, all good. All good. <laughs> oh no, no, you're 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 fine. Tallywhacker will be a great horse, a horse of legend, even. <laughs> no, let's um, make it something different. Let's make it. Hmm. They always make the weird horse names for races, which I don't like. But mm. they're gonna have like actual racehorse names, and you're gonna name them like you there. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, boom, goes the dynamite. Mike's last Christmas. <laughs> like, what? <Yeah>. What? <laughs> Santa's little helper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so now that we've decided to have very strange horses, um, I guess the party have an opportunity now to say their goodbyes if they're actually planning on traveling this way. Was there anything else you guys wanted to do in preparation of this event? Um, other than properly say goodbye to friends and family, I don't think so. Yep. Okay. Yeah, Darzak will make sure that the uh, second in command of the orcs has people in charge of protecting the queen. Okay. Um, I will say that the, your uh, second in command there, Agarak, he uh, he does give you a strange look when you say this. Um, could you roll me a persuasion check or an intimidate check or yeah. a deception check, whatever you think is most feasible? Because it definitely seems like this is a, a command he's not really on board with. Jarzak will explain that like she's our best bet to be able to get in and take the castle. Good. I'm very glad we're all we're all in this for diplomacy. Uh, say. 25. Oh, Jesus. What was it, though? Uh, persuasion. Okay. So with that, uh, Agarak sort of nods to you as you give him very simple instruction and explanation. And he says, I should know never to doubt you. He says, whereas your brother had the tenacity and ferocity of the orcs, he says, you have the cunning of a leader. Yes, like, we, we could. We could just, you know, kill her and then try and figure stuff out later of how we take it over and ditch all these guys right now. And I don't think we'd live with all the bad stuff I saw there. We definitely, it, it would, it, we would die. So we need to fight this fight and then deal with that later. But if we kill the queen now, that's it. That's the end of our fight. And then you can see the uh, cogs turning in his head as he says, oh, we're playing the <laughs> long game here. Very well. So with that, the, the queen herself will also be there to say goodbye to you guys. Uh, I'm assuming the party will have like a day or two to prepare before they leave. Um, but she will also make it known that she's going to try to continue to make a good enough name for herself amongst the uh, survivors here of uh, Amaroth, um, and she'll keep attending the meetings, and <clears throat> hopefully Aldo Felthistle will be able to give her a good in to uh, the uh, political game here in the council meetings. She assumes he's a very powerful political figure, and I don't think she could be more wrong. Um mm. Mm. I mean, Clico really because... sells Aldo <laughs> to the queen. Aldo definitely seems very wise. <laughs> yeah, right. He also cured her insanity, so for whatever that's worth. That's true. She at least owes him her trust. But, okay, um, so I suppose after a few days, um, the party, uh, riding on horses, wearing full barding, um, plated up with nice armor, uh, you guys are riding on some of the finest trained horses, uh, and you will be able to uh, enter combat with them without any real issue or alarm. Um, Klika, however, if you'd like to, you could take one of the larger riding dogs. 
Um, and the riding dog will also get barding, or you could travel on somebody else's horse with them. Did uh did Schalt ever make uh, his way home? It's a good question. Maybe you yelled it really, really loud while you were outside of your house in Enton, and then Schalt just came running back in. You know what? I'm gonna say that you managed to teleport back and find Schalt at some point in the time oh, of preparation. Boy. I'm trying to remember where we even left him last. The, Wasn't it just uh, at the base fort. of the mountain where we fought Undindereth? Yeah, I mean, there was like a small elvish settlement, right? Yeah. I think that's where we ditched the horses and everything, so I think that's where Shaw got left. Okay, so yeah, you could just travel back. That's where you first teleported, so you go yeah. right back to... Uh, that's also the creepy place where you guys went back in time, but, you know, whatever, who's counting, right? So right. you saw Sasquatch, went back in time there, and you found your dog again. Excellent. So this, in that case, this pleases Klika. Your wonderful hound has been outfitted with barding as well, wearing doggy plate mail. Okay. Um, very good. Um, so as the uh, party are going to be preparing for their travel, um, I suppose the people of uh, the conjoined peoples of Enton here, the uh, various people, uh, come to you guys uh, on your last day to offer you gifts and offer you the best of their wishes and try to get you guys to, uh, you know, to be very careful as they are very afraid of what might happen if you guys don't return. Um, but as the uh, story goes in the beckons of the Herald of Steel, the party once again leave Enton to go do something crazy somewhere else. Um, so for the next two days, yeah, two or three days, the party are going to be traveling through the Dale, uh, until they reach sort of the, uh, the grasslands between the, uh, halls of silver and steel. So I suppose my initial question for you guys, assuming that Ronnie, uh, Anton will be feeding the party and assuming mm -hmm. you guys are just going to have the horses stop by to eat grasses and whatever on the trail, um, the party shouldn't have too many troubles with traveling um, unless you guys run into issues with, I don't know, a military force along the way. Um, but my question is, uh, the path from Enton to the Halls of Silver and Steel, uh, the main road diverts over to where Dustwind used to be. So my question is, would you guys like to follow that road or would you like to branch off and go into the wilderness uh, kind of cutting straight to the halls of silver and steel. I mean, if uh, Norhill wants to get close to the halls, we can do that for sentimental reasons. But well, we, we will be traveling will between, right them between in the valley. Nah. I guess it depends on whether or not you feel all right seeing what's left of Dustwind, Kleeka. I think we should. A part of me feels like we should see what's become of it. I mean, could there still be the enemy in Dustwind? Oh, yeah, but... So, maybe avoiding that altogether would be best? Clinka mm -hmm. does kind of want to know what happened, but it's up to everyone else. Well, one would think that the quarry folk would have noticed if there was still a major presence of the enemy in Dustwind. Yeah, from what you guys remember from the information you got from the gnomes of Goggleglint, who have their big giant telescope, 
they said that much of the military forces of the Spire have retreated back and are fortifying their position at the tower. Um, there's definitely small groups that are still out and about doing nonsensical evil things, but for the most part, there's no like looming army waiting outside the gate. And instead, the armies and all of the people that have been turned into metal shards are uh, back by the tower. So it doesn't seem uh, like a terrible idea to stop by Dustwind. So, again, question remains. Travel to Dustwind or try to cut through the wilderness? Travel to Dustwind. Okay. So, um, let's do it. The uh, first couple days of travel are pretty... Uh, how do I say this? Uh, pretty easygoing days. Uh, there really isn't uh, too much of an issue. It is late summer. Um, and the first two days are rather clear. The temperature doesn't seem to peak much past 80 degrees, as you can feel autumnal winds kind of already beginning lightly. Um, by the nightfall of the second day, however, the party can tell that they're already pretty close to the border of um, Dustwind. As you can see that the uh, sands of the, uh, of the settlement are already kind of interspersing amongst the grasses uh, surrounding. Um... You can see from the mountain edge that has collapsed and slid over what used to be the uh, sort of the Lord's Manor in Dustwind. Um, you can tell that this place is definitely what you had feared most. Uh, it definitely seems like this place is the victim of the tragedy that you saw before. And so my question is, would you like to continue getting closer to Dustwind and staying there for the night? Or would you like to stay outside of the city for the night? We should probably camp outside the city. Okay. How far are we talking? Yeah, Clicka is going to say we should camp in the city, or she at least wants to spend the night there herself. So, I guess, um, what about the rest of the party, then? Drezak's fine with either one. So. Same. I don't really have a preference. <clears throat> um, I mean, so, Norville's definitely as... moved by Klika wanting to spend the night inside the one and only place that seemed like it might be home. So, fair enough. Um, so as the uh, party head into the um, head into the ruins of Dustwind, uh, from what you recall before, after uh, the first time you guys had been here. Uh, the outskirts surrounding the city of Dustwind were always little groups of, you know, like houses and homes and everything like that, little hamlets. Um, and the closer you get to the city, the more it gets kind of compact. But even walking in now through this, the level of sand that buffeted the walls of these buildings and everything, um, a lot of this looks like like a bomb blew up. You know, there's like walls collapsed on some of these smaller structures, roofs were blown off. And for the most part, a lot of these places have like a good caking of sand outside of them as if like a big winter storm left a blanket of snow, but it's just sand, you know, a lot of it's just been swept over. Um, so what I'm going to do now. Okay. As the party travel in with the sun fully setting behind the mountains um, in the south. Uh, the party can tell as they're walking in and past some of these smaller cottages, it does seem like they're being followed. 
You guys, every once in a while, hear the sounds of footsteps and whispers between some of the buildings. Norhill's going to try to catch a glimpse of whatever it is he's hearing. Right. Uh, you can roll me an investigate check. Trying to figure out if I have a bonus. Hold on. I have a feeling you don't need it. I have a plus one. Uh, 15. Yeah. So as the party hear the sounds of the whispers and the little shufflings of feet, Norhill sort of uh, takes a pensive pose and looks back quickly between two of the buildings, assuming where somebody might run through. Um, unfortunately for you, and very chillingly, as you look over, you see a sort of low glowing, gloomy looking spectral form of a child, as if a ghost just sort of runs right past the back of one of the buildings and to the behind of another building, skirting through and sort of chuckling as they do. It's a good thing we gave money to those kids when they were still alive. Now they got fucking life drain and everything. <laughs> uh, uh, Norhill's going to make like a little uh, dwarfy sign of warding off evil. I like to think it's uh, just a thumbs up. Just thumbs up at the devil. Just <laughs> yep. That's uh, canon now. No, no hell is going to say. I don't think all who met Therent here have moved on. And so, as the party afraid of that, I was going to say, as the party stand about and look around, uh, a couple more of the little ghostly forms run between the buildings, um, but. After about two or so minutes of this, you can tell that a lot of the little chuckling noises in the running seem to stop, and everything goes very much so deathly quiet, no pun intended. Uh, the party stand there in the darkness, realizing that a lot of the heat of Dustwind that you had felt before is gone. Whether or not that has anything to do with the destruction of the uh, Lord's estate here, um, it just seems like this is just a place bereft of the greenery of the rest of the Dale. Um... Seems very sad, I guess I'd say. This is like immensely depressing. And the level of, of despair you feel here in the ruins uh, is immense. My question now is, would the party like to continue farther into Dustwind? Klika would like to go to where the fountain used to be, if you can. Okay. Or the library, or both. Okay. Is the rest of the party okay with that? If that's what Clico wants to do. Yep. Okay. So as the party trot another 30 or 40 minutes into the city, uh, you can tell that the sand that I spoke of before and the rocks and the rubble uh, seem to have piled up over some sections of buildings. But the main road leading towards the center of Dustwind seems to be well enough carved out uh, that you guys can tell that this is where, what well, one, the main road was. But um, this place is very well destroyed from the uh, mountainside collapsing. And even getting closer to the center, you can tell that it's greatly unlikely that you guys would be able to see the library. You'd be able to see the um, like the little fort there in the center, or you'd be able to see the um, fountain. And instead, you can tell that it must all be covered in rocks um, or debris. You can definitely get close, but it seems like that whole place has been pretty well leveled. Kalika might spend some time 
sort of wandering around that area. But okay. still come back So uh, if people want to look for a place to camp for the night. Okay. Um is anybody going to go with Klika? Uh how dark uh how late is it getting? It's like the night has come and so I'm assuming the only light you guys were using before was Anton's lantern. Yeah, Norville's going to find a place to set up a tent before it gets too much darker. Jerzak would Okay. probably stick with Klika. Okay. What about Anton? Oh shit, can you guys not hear me? We can now. No, I can hear you now. Okay, sorry. Um, uh, I realized the, the goddamn microphone. <laughs> No, um, I'll stay at camp with Norhill. okay. So, as Klika and Jarzak trot off deeper within the uh, sandy dunes here, um, and, and Norhill gets stuck with the task of setting up the giant tent uh, amongst a couple of the buildings. Um, okay. So, as Klika and Jarzak get much closer to the uh, center here, You can tell um, by the various footsteps within the sands that somebody or something must have been trotting around here at one point or another. But because the sand is the way that it is, it's hard to say that anything left any like footprints that are measurable. But seeing like all the little dips and divots in the sand, it definitely seems like somebody was at one point waltzing through here, even just a couple hours ago. Um, but yeah. Other than that, some of the larger buildings that you remember from before still stand defiant to the uh, rock slide that happened here. But again, for the most part, it's like every building's missing at least 25% of its walls, you know? Um, but yeah. So, what would you like to do? Um, well, it looks like someone's been here kind of recently. Maybe there were survivors. Is, you said it's, it's not like I can really follow the tracks or anything, right? Yeah, no, they seem very uh, haphazard, and they all seem kind of all over the place. Kind of like when you like go out in the in the woods after snowfall, and you see like just a hundred footprints. It's Hmm. just impossible unless you're a ranger to be able to tell like what the what the foot thought process is. Click it might just hang out for a bit, see if anything comes by. Okay. Cool. So after waiting for a bit and feeling the uh, very cold night wind, you feel something of a strange presence as the wind blows by once over shoulder, coming through from the rock slide and towards you, following the path all the way back to where the tent was that Norhill and Anton have been setting it up. But sitting there in the darkness with your good pal Jarzak, uh, the wind feels comforting. It feels like the breath of somebody sort of sighing in a comfortable release, you know? Um, it definitely seems like um, you feel some sort of a presence around you when you feel that. Uh, yeah. Uh, at this point, after feeling that, um, can you give me a quick perception check? Boy, can I. Do we Uh, both 15. feel that, or just Klika? Yep. No, you do feel it. And then a perception check from you too, Jarzak, if you'd like. Uh, soft 20. Nice. 
So a 15 and a 20. Okay. So a few moments pass after that. Um, yeah. So take it away. Take what do you what? A few moments pass after the after the, oh. the sigh, the the breath, the wind. Okay, so I thought you said something else happened. Um, well, it's, it still feels nice to be back here, even if this is the shape it's in. Maybe once everything's done, we can, or maybe Klika can help rebuild this place. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll, I can help you, Klika. Rebuilding should be Jarzak. pretty easy. Just Jarzak looking at a pile of dirt being like, yeah, no, that's a great idea. Definitely seems like a meaning, meaningful use of our time and resources to rebuild your sandbox uh, mm. settlement. <laughs> really good exports of uh, sand. Um, um, okay. If you don't mind, Jarzak, Click is just gonna take a quick nap here. But uh, just just wake me up in like thirty minutes or so. Yeah, sure. You got you got it. Okay. So as Klika puts her little head down under her hands near Jarzak and tries to drift off into sleep. Uh, a very unsettling noise seems to come from the sand um, about 60 or so feet away from you uh, to the northwest uh, by the giant rock pile. Um, you can see the sand sort of sliding aside as if something's kind of raising up from where the footsteps were. Um, and all too soon do you guys both realize that it seems like an entire troop of bodies seem to be climbing out of the sand. Um, as you guys sit here, sort of trying to figure out what's going on, uh, what would you like to do? Clicker, uh, we gotta go. Uh, I, know, I know it's not been 30, but like, I don't... Well, it doesn't look like there were any survivors we wanted then, huh? Um, they do, they do look like the metal kind of soldiers, right? Nope, you haven't even seen that. I'm just saying that, like, you see the sand starting to dissipate. If you'd like to sit and watch as they crawl out of the earth, you could definitely do that. Yeah, I'll probably do that. They're coming out okay. of the ground. That's not... That's... that's they come out in scuba gear. That's not natural. <laughs> that's not where they live. <laughs> Mold people, we've reclaimed Dustwind. Um, so with that, <laughs> yeah, my house, my house, uh, my homebrew mole people really come into effect here. Um, but as you wait for a minute, it's just weird uh, that this is where they're coming up. <laughs> like this is the point in the story. <laughs> um, but as you continue to wait and watch, you can see that a very broken and bent series of fingers and limbs start crawling out of the sand. And you can see every once in a while, a uh, battered and pale face crawl out and soon torsos begin to appear as the uh, group of zombies seem to be pulling themselves out of the sand here. All of them gasping and saying half words and moaning as they do. 
um, again, moving very slow and laboriously. But when I tell you that an entire like 17 zombies are pulling themselves out of the earth at this point, it seems like there are a lot of them. And they are all pulling themselves out where those footsteps were. We should go get Anton. Maybe he can help put them to rest. Hey, Anton, we need you for something. He's like, yeah, yeah what yeah. is it? Shoot. <laughs> Just a troop of zombies walking down the street. <laughs> Mole people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Come to hear the good word of the Illuminator. Probably natural enemies of the Illuminator, to be honest. I don't imagine mole people appreciating the daylight. Um, okay. So, Kalika and Jarzak try to run away from these goons and run back to the campsite to go get Anton. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, as the uh, duo run back easily, uh, easily outrunning the zombies, by the time you get back to the camp, you can hear moaning voices sort of carrying on the wind in the distance behind you. You guys probably had a good, like, 500, 600 feet uh, head start on these guys. Um, so, yeah. So you run back into camp. Um, well, we didn't find any survivors, but... We did find a group of zombies, and maybe Klika was kind of hoping, Anton, you'd help her put them to rest. Anton gets up and gets his, gets his lantern ready, and he says, I'll see what I can do, but um, can I do a knowledge check? I'm just curious. Can, are, are zombies like a naturally occurring thing, or does it only occur if someone actually cast a necromancy spell like the would would no. is it clear like someone would be behind this or is there ever like a weird case of like naturally occurring undead yeah so the funny thing about the undead is that like for every type of undead there's an undead origin so things like a revenant like um jaden for instance is created because he had some like unfortunate task that he wasn't able to complete in his life and so he just keeps coming back from the dead to do it so the chances of zombies or ghosts or anything being created in a place of a great and awful tragedy like this is a almost, I would imagine, uh, sorry, Anton might be able to see like the super sad tragedy of the fact that like these people are rendered in this way because like it was just such a catastrophic event that like their souls are sort of like trapped here. You know what I mean? And it's just like just such an awful, awful place. You know what I mean? So I guess, yeah. you know, TLDR here. Um, yeah, zombies can come from a lot of places. Okay. Just want to make sure, like, we weren't looking for someone specifically going yeah, after us. Sure. But, uh, cool, cool. Time to turn some undead. Okay. So are you just going to head back there and try to turn the undead? Yeah. Because, like, it's the best thing I can do. Um, you could probably also destroy all of these undead, um, to be honest. What do you mean? Um, because of your high level and because of these guys and their low level, uh, there's a pretty oh. good chance you're just going to destroy them all outright. So if you want to, we can make it seem like it's much more of a cleansing kind of thing. Yeah, um, let's not make it seem as like 
violent. <laughs> Morbid just like when flashlighting I these guys those, in the brain. Like when I froze all those poor people in town on the pier. That, that, that wasn't a good day. Let's, let's not be that unhinged. <laughs> okay. So Anton marches back down the road and you can hear in the darkness beyond the sounds of the moaning and the groaning and the half words and attempts and mutterings. Um, and as the edge of your light of your uh, of your lantern seems to breach the darkness and you see the first of the undead come shambling in towards you, you can tell that there are uh, just about a dozen and a half of these zombies marching towards you. Um, did anybody come with you? Uh, well, like yeah, and Norville definitely would have gone uh, too. armed and armored to bodyguard Anton. Yeah, just in case it goes terribly wrong. <laughs> so, in the bright light of the lantern, you can see that a lot of these undead seem to be wearing what appears to be like very sandy and tattered craftsman clothes and like just the clothes of day workers and stuff like that. Like one of them's wearing an apron and he still has a hammer in his hand. You know what I mean? Uh, it definitely seems like these undead weren't like soldiers or anything like that. Um, but as they continue moseying towards you, um, what does the year turn undead look like? So he's going to see them. And he's going to feel sad about it. And he's just going to look and he's going to say, as the light washes upon you, wash away from this world, wash away to a world of rest and peace and silence be rid of these mortal chains. And he kind of so, lets the, the light wash over them. Okay. Um, as you do so, the lantern flashes for a moment, and you can see that the zombies um, immediately in like the blinding light sort of snuff out. Um, and as the light comes back to a normal brightness, and everybody's able to see again, you can tell that on the ground are some clothing, um, some bones, some like teeth and whatnot. But for the most part, there is no sign that there were any zombies here just a moment ago. And all of them are completely um, dissipated. I rolled the wisdom save for 17 zombies. And when I tell you I did not get above a 10 and they have a minus two to it anyway. But like, yeah, dude, I can't make that up. Oh, boy. They, they got... They weren't just turked. They were destroyed. But Oh, man. So the solemnity of the uh, evening air seems to seep in again, and even the wind that you had felt before seems to have uh, taken a moment's pause in respect for those who have now gone off to their rest. But as the group of you four stand there in the dwindling light of the lantern, um, you can tell that they've been put to peace here. Um Unfortunately, having seen that, one has reason to believe that there are probably lots more undead just kind of looming about in different places. Um, so what would you like to do now? It's going to turn to Klika and say, I understand your desire to stay here, but I think it is best we leave. If that's what you want to do, we can leave. Unless you want me turning everyone. I mean, if, you, if you're offering, take some time. I mean, it's gonna take me like a few days because I'm calling you to turn undead twice a day. Uh, should, well, after should, every short rest. 
So I'd have to you know like. You should do. What? Ask God for help. You should. You should do that divine intervention and try to cleanse the ruins of Dustwind. Oh my God! That would honestly I? be the fucking sickest thing if you could do that. Oh, let's see if I actually. But ooh, what do I have to roll again? Eleven. You have to get on a D one hundred. Eleven. If your roll is equal to or two or less than eleven, the deity intervenes. Yeah. Oh boy, let's try it. I think it's been seven. I'm just saying, days. if you got it though, that'd be fucking sick. Let's wow. try it. Let's see. Let's see. Because I, 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 and I can do it. He's just keeping in mind. The timeliness of his normal. I mean, this is the exact situation for it. You know, it's not like it's going to be super helpful in combat or anything. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, this is just like a moment where Anton probably sees the pain on Kleeka's face. And when Anton's like, unless you think I can turn on. Oh, all I got a 68. <laughs> nice. I, not, okay. I got a 68. Away. <laughs> 69. <laughs> so close. Yeah, that's the one we had to get. Sorry. So with a <laughs> with a pained expression after praying to Ira and the Illuminator, uh, Anton realizes that this is definitely beyond his means. But he is willing to stay if he has to take a bunch of short rests and cleanse everyone. If that's what needs to be done, he's do, he's willing to do it. It's just gonna take time. Could do the catnap trick. It <laughs> might be a problem for the future. To not so Kluka would just like to spend the night, maybe. Well, actually, uh, is there any other clerical spells? Like, I know there's ceremony and stuff like that. None of that I could use to, like, advantage, right? Well, ceremony is for, like, marrying people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I figured a divine intervention. I mean, pulling back the DM screen and telling you what I was thinking. I was going to suggest Ira just has a storm of holy water and just cleanses the land with it and just have this oh. like brutal typhoon storm come through. Um, but yeah, so there's really nothing you'd be able to do on like a mass turn undead sort of a scale. I think uh, uh, okay. Consecrate might be the only other spell I can think of. I don't think but I even, even have then, that one. That's, Hello. I think you actually you probably have it, but I have I, it's also a small. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. Yeah, it's a relatively small area, but you could at least hallow the campsite for the night. I just don't have it, it prepared. Oh, you don't have it prepared. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, oh. I'll just do the whole. Yeah. I'm just curious, like, how long do we suspect this will take, Dan? If I just keep doing. Um, I mean, turn I would just assume you guys would just take turns with rest, and if anybody heard any undead coming, you just wake up and go take care of it. Okay. I just figured the usual. If these were any other kind of uh, dead creatures or anything like that. But, okay. So what's the order of rests? We go, go second. Jarzak will go last. And Norhill will go first. I guess I'll go third. Uh, well, Anton should probably sleep through the whole night in case we need to wake you up for turn undead. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Are you sure? Oh, and Kleeka will go last because she has to go after Jarzak. Uh, I thought I got away with <laughs> that <laughs> one. <laughs> Jarzak was way too excited when he claimed last and Kleeka could tell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So as the uh, watches go through, 
the party have no run-ins with any more undead, and the sun rises, um, bringing a very uh, warm morning. Um, yeah. So, party now have an opportunity to leave and make their way towards the uh, halls of silver and steel on their horses. And Chalt. Oh boy. Was there anything else you wanted to do here in Dustwind before we continue? Is the divine intervention like a once per long rest thing, or yeah, it's a once per seven days thing? Oh, seven days. I can't talk for a week. I think it's seven days if it succeeds. Otherwise, you use it every day. Use it for seven days. Otherwise, you can get it used. Oh, I'll try it again. I could use it after a long rest. I had no clue how it works, so that's why I figured I'd ask before we try again. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, let's do it. Shoot, maybe I'll have some. Maybe I'll have some luck with the dawn. <laughs> Let's go. Someone tells oh, me we're going to get like 50. a 48. Motherfucker. You said right in the middle. 50. <laughs> I was pretty close when I said 48. I think I deserve something. Uh, so anyway. All right, what do you um, want? <laughs> all of your loot. Um, so with that, the... Uh, which isn't that much. Um, as the uh, party prepare their things, break down their camp, uh, and head on their way on the road, um, the party in one day's travel uh, will be able to make it uh, just about to the uh, valley uh, between the Halls of Silver and Steel. So, uh, unless there's anything fancy or special you guys want to do, I guess we'll just kind of fast travel through it. Um, as the, uh, party travel away from Dustwind and enter sort of the, uh, shrublands and the hills between the Halls of Silver and Steel, uh, named, uh, Garrett Moore and Carrick Moore, uh, in a more, um, proper sense in the Dwarvish tongue, um, the party, uh, on their, at the end of their travel here at the end of the day, um, you guys are kind of in, like, again, in a valley, and there's not really a lot of places to camp that are out of the way. You guys are on a pretty well-known road, at least well-known to at least one dwarf in the party. Um, and you guys uh, have an opportunity to set up camp somewhere here in the valley. So what kind of place would you like guys like to set up camp? Not too far off the road, I guess, if there's nowhere we can really hide from anything. Okay. Oh, okay. So as the uh, party, oh my goodness. So as the party uh, stop here in the valley and set up their camp with all their uh, horses and whatnot, the telltale sounds of clinking of boots and the sound of metal sort of clinking on armor seems to uh, make its presence very well known outside the camp. Even at about 120, 200 feet away from you guys, you can tell something seems to be approaching in the darkness. And not just a something, but a lot of somethings. Good. Uh, Our favorite nighttime visitors. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. nor nor he'll evidently. Grant will grab like a lantern or something and wake the party. Okay, I kind of assumed this was when the party was like just finished setting up camp and sort of breaking dinner uh, okay. and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, then, yeah. then Norhill will go like stand on the road um, again with like a lantern or something and try to see if he can see what's coming. Okay. So as you uh, head out there and take a peek outside the camp, um, you see what appear to be 
15 dwarves just moseying down the trail towards your tent in the darkness. These dwarves seem to be wearing like studded leather and leather armor, armed with axes and crossbows, clubs and whatnot. Um, and they all just start heading down this way and end up near the camp. And when they see you pop out of the camp, they immediately all kind of like fall to a level of stupor and confusion. Uh, Norho will do like a mil- like a military style lantern signal, you know, like, like a hail well met sort of signal. Okay. And so that uh, they give one back as one of them immediately lights a lantern about 200 feet away and <laughs> starts to flash back the same sign. Yeah, uh, Norhill will wave them in that they're welcome to come into uh, come into camp. Okay, so fifteen very scrappy looking dwarves come moseying into the uh, over by your tent, and the one in the front with a very patchy red beard who looks to have like very bruised eyes um, and doesn't seem like he's had a good meal or a lot of sleep in a long time, but he steps forward and he says. I didn't think I'd see my lord with my very own eyes. You accept my apologies for sneaking up on you. These are dangerous times. I would be upset if you weren't taking care. And with that, he sort of nods and he says, Right, yes. What uh, brings you here to the valley between the halls? My companions and I are on a rescue mission. With that, he just looks very confused, but understands there's probably a lot of truth to what you're saying, and looks at the camp, sees the horses, and a very strange-looking dog, who has probably teleported once in his life, um, and sees the rest of the party probably rummaging around in the camp and taking a peek out, now having heard 15 dwarves appear at the camp. um, And he looks back at you, and he says... I I think we can uh, leave you to your to your companions. We'll leave you be now. And with that, he gives sort of a, a nod and a hail, and then he starts to get oh, ready to turn. Oh, now, at least uh, share our camp for the evening. You look like you could use a good meal, and my one friend here is very good for a good meal. And Anton, which, uh, which, direction, which direction were they coming from? Uh, the south. And I would love to hear news from out of the Southlands. And he smiles a very reluctant grin to you and he says, Sure. I'm sure the boys would really love a meal. Uh, fortunately, I don't have much to say about the Southlands. We've been hanging outside of the doors of Carrick Moor and uh, doing our best to protect the land from invaders from the south. And he gives a, another smile and nods very uh, enthusiastically. Uh, uh, Norhill nods. I'm sure you've been doing great work. I wasn't aware that any of our people were still at large in the Southlands. And realizing and being very aware that he's speaking to the highest military official in the entirety of the Dwarvish culture here, he knows very well he can't lie to you when he says, I, uh... We decided to do this on our own accord. Uh, You'll understand the level of shame I feel having to admit that to you. But don't take this as a matter of desertion. Uh, It's just pride in the hall. You understand. 
Of course, I, I myself was in a similar situation when I found the gates locked behind me and me on the wrong side. Good. Right. Yes. And with that, the uh, dwarves reluctantly begin to walk into the camp and start looking around the tent. Uh, feel free to make yourselves at home. And so the dwarves all look very confused and very puzzled by everything here and continue to look at the red-headed dwarf that brought them here for any sort of sign of what to do next. And when he gives them all very knowing nods, um, they all start to kind of sit down in different places outside the tent and sort of put their little heads down as if to go to sleep just right out here on the grass. Do they speak the common tongue? Yep, they've been speaking common this whole time. Okay. And I suggest you guys be able to hear speak to Warbin in front of outsiders. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, um, Kalika will go out and introduce herself to them. Uh, Hi, I'm Kalika. And one of them chimes in and says, Oh, I've heard of that one. Uh, you. You, that that one you. Kleeka. We've, we've all heard of you. And then they all start nodding, and they all kind of come to agreement as they rattle off the names of everybody else here in attendance. And uh, the one in the front says, My name's Harmon. Harmon Darkshield. And you already have heard of a dark shield at some point in your life, having sat beside some of them in some of your military trainings, but never met this guy. Um, Harmon says, I, uh, I think it's a great honor to be able to break bread with you and be able to sleep alongside you and your companions here. And he gives sort of a, another very proud nod and a small, slight grin. Well, Well, I'm proud that some of our kinsmen are still at large in the world. I won't lie, we've had a rough go of it. And with that, he sort of nods and he says, I, uh, we all understand that very well. And his face takes on a certain dour expression that uh, seemed to be lurking behind all of his other expressions up to this point. Uh, Norhill's not going to cry. So, at this point... Uh, what would you guys like to do? I mean, Kalika will spend her watch, I guess, cleaning and uh, mending their armor and stuff where she can. Any of their okay. bedrolls, stuff like that. Sure. Just getting things patched up and cleaned if she can help them out at all. They uh, all thank you very graciously for your help here. And they all thank Anton for the mud pies that uh, he prepares for them. Um, And they all seem to eat up around the small fire you guys stoke for them out there. Uh, Harmon pulls Norhill aside at one point um, when the rest of them are having their gear mended. And he uh, asks you for a moment alone to speak. Of course. And so... As he uh, pulls you aside, he says, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. We've been out here for a while, and I hadn't thought you'd return from your last, well, whatever you'd like to call those excursions they send you on. 
You'd understand, Lord Hammerstone, that we've had a really rough go of it ourselves, and a lot of us didn't think we'd ever see our home again after the last time. So, me and the boys, well, we've been trying to make our ends meet down here. And uh, as he looks down at his own hands, chipped fingernails, broken, bruised fingers, he says, we've had a really, really difficult time. And uh, we've done some very unsavory things. I'd hope you'd understand when I tell you that we've got a good, a decent pile of silver and gold that we'd like to hand over to you. And I hope that you can give it to somebody who deserves it. I must admit, this gold was earned in bloodshed. And many a caravan, innocent caravan, were, well, I think you can imagine what I'm trying to tell you. Nora Norhill nods and says, I won't lie and say that I approve, but I'm not going to pass a judgment on you doing what you had to to survive. Well, he's telling you right now that he did this after the last time you guys left. So he was there when you guys were there at one point, and then you left once, like, you know, a few weeks ago, and you only just recently came back. So these guys have only been out here for like three or four weeks. So there was definitely a time they could have just worked alongside the people of Corydale like the rest of the dwarves, but these guys broke off on their own. God know, the gods know, I've made some sacrifices and concessions in my time since becoming the Lord and before that I wouldn't have made otherwise. Just thinking about tolerating Jarzak. <laughs> A lot of those Great. things are tolerating Jarzak. <laughs> <laughs> the great evils of the man Jarzak. Like, he breathes bugs. That doesn't even make sense. But I have also seen some people turn away some from, from some very dark things. And there's always a chance. If you wish to make an honest life, I would say that you can take that silver and gold and deliver it to the people who need it in Quarrydale. Or, if you would really like to earn my favor, I would suggest that you perhaps brave the inside of the halls of silver and steel and gather what of use is still left after we deploy the weapon. That's so hilarious, thinking about you sentencing them to go into, like, dwarf Chernobyl and just be like, go find some cool shit and bring it back. And they just melt to the floor. Because I have every confidence that we will exit this war victorious and we will need to return to the halls at one point or another. And I would prefer to know what we're walking into sooner rather than later. Of course, if the halls are still too dangerous to enter, do not. I'm not asking you to immediately sacrifice your life. Like, are you sure he wanted us to do this? Like, yep, he said go check it out. They just walk in and just drop dead. <laughs> you are dwarves. I figure you got the resistance to poison and everything. They'd probably make it a pretty decent way. I mean, it's like not a human poisonous to living things, I thought. I thought it would just melted metal. 
No, it, it did both. I don't think and you that, told I us mean, that. You know, nothing for nothing. I'm sure that dwarves have a higher than average amount of iron in their blood and bones. So, yeah, no, the uh, the Aspies died on this one too, if you remember correctly. The other way that you guys were going to be able to do it was to extract the uh, Aspies um, uh, pheromone and be able to like make them go crazy and attack the uh, the Duergar down here. But yeah, the real cost to this one was the Aspies and the uh, metal stuffs. But, but yeah, so basically Nor Norhill is saying like, check and see. If right, right, right. The, the crazy rust we weapon is still active. And if it's not, check it look look uh check in on what's left look again um so with that uh he nods to you and he says i don't know that the gods will ever forgive us for what we did but i think they were trying to tell us something when they stopped sending caravans he says for the past week or so we haven't had a single person try to drive up this way with a carriage i don't know what that really means but we were thinking about moving farther south, but none of the boys wanted to leave the mountains behind. So we'll do it, and we'll head back to Quarrydale. And we hope that uh, even if Moradin doesn't forgive us, at least you will. Forgiveness can only be earned through hard work and dedication to living a better life. When I pass this way again on my way back from the rescue mission... I expect to see the fruits of that dedication. And with that, he just nods and he says, very well, we'll do our best. And he heads back to go sit amongst the boys and they can all tell that the look on his face is definitely a puzzling one, but they all can tell that something sort of important must have transpired in your little conversation there. Um, but none of them really seem to say much of a word after that. And the night passes by pretty uneventfully um by morning light the dwarves are already preparing themselves to go um and they're preparing to head back to the gates of uh carrick moor uh norhill wishes them the best of luck as he turns away south okay um perfect so again i suppose for the next step on our little crawl here um, the party are going to be traveling through some of the, uh, some of the, the dry hills as it were. Um, and for the next day or so, the main thing that you guys noticed is that traveling to the Southlands is there's so few mountains to like South, Southeast, um, that it's pretty flat landscape and being up in a higher elevation, being in sort of the valley between the, the Sunderspine mountains, you guys can see much to the Southland. Uh, it's just so flat, you know, so you guys can see the mass expanses of uh, what's it called? Um, the forest in the distance and whatnot on uh, the coastline. Um, but yeah, so following the dune road is pretty uneventful. Um, but I will say one eerie detail that you notice after having spoken with the uh, dwarf uh, Harmon there. Um, you don't see a single caravan the entire time you guys are riding down this way. And as you guys are traveling on horses, it becomes painfully apparent that you don't see anybody at all. I mean, I guess that's not 
totally insane. You know, it's not like any merchants are going to be come, uh, coming up to deal with the dwarves or anything. Mm -mm. And I wouldn't exactly want to wander into war-ravaged lands from uh, from the south if I could help it. So True, but the besieged people of Dust... Uh, sorry, not Dustwin, of Enton... Uh, would certainly pay a pretty penny for some of the easiest to come by uh, accommodations and uh, items. So a lot of money can be made by selling to these people. And the fact that nobody's coming up at all seems pretty strange. Um, he said it's been about a phrase week. That that's good news. Yeah. About a week since he's seen anybody in a caravan driving up here. And when, when um, did we fend off the assassins and... Do all that stuff with the fake doppelganger about how long ago? About three days ago. Well, now okay. about five. Okay. Or six. So, yeah, six days. Right. So about a week. Yeah. Just about. But, um, okay. So after this first day of travel, you guys seem to enter grasslands once again uh, by nightfall, setting up a camp, um, probably in a pretty... Uh, tactical location here probably uh somewhere tucked away between some of the uh hillocks um but uh on the next day of travel the uh what one two three four fifth day of travel i believe um the party uh seemed to oh the wind it's a windy day it's a bit cooler than it was before um but uh, as you guys enter the grasslands, by about midday, you can tell that the dune road seems to fork off into another major road. Um, this major road heading off to the west. Um, but to the south, you guys can tell that there is a... Uh, uh, what's it called? There seems to be a settlement in the distance. As you can see, uh, some buildings and what appears to be a large stone structure, a castle of sorts. Uh, to the south. Uh, Norhill knows pretty well that this must be Fort Riverwind, just from where you are from. Um, but yeah. Uh, what does Norhill know about Fort Riverwind? Um, Boy, uh, let me tell you. Fort Riverwind? What a fort it is. Um, so Fort Riverwind is a uh sort of an individually run um settlement again there's like sort of like a castle and who rules over it um but it is a run over uh sorry ran by looked over by a hobgoblin uh which is not necessarily out of line judging by the fact that Shockley is a place that's filled with a lot of hobgoblins um but it is uh overlooked by one uh his uh, name being Lord Tagora. He himself is a very fair person, but again, suffers from the same issue of being very brutally lawful neutral that, again, they will tolerate having very evil people here so long as they abide by the rules and pay the money to get in. So it's one of those places that, like, they do well for themselves by remaining neutral in their own sense. Um, but... Yeah, so it's not a terrible place to be. They're just very strict, and they have very well-armed people here. What was the name of the Hobgoblin Lord again? Gora. T-A-G-O-R-A. Yeah, so 
uh, Norhill will announce to the party their lives for Riverwind, unless I miss my guess, unless I knew it was looked after by the Hobgoblin Lord Tagora. Safe enough if we wish to rest and gather news uh, before heading further south, as long as we abide by their law and keep their head and keep our heads down. Have we noticed any signs of um like uh the army of uh this immortal seal since we got down this way? Like anything? No. No. Interesting. No, I mean you might be able to put two and two together that that's the reason why there's so few people out here, and that's why there's like nobody to be found. Um, but even then, that's more of a guess than anything. You guys have made it pretty far away from where the spire is. Um, so it could just be the case that their reach hasn't gone this far down in a really, you know what I mean, brutal sense. Especially because you yourselves, even farther north, don't really, haven't had many run-ins with, like again, like very organized military force of the Iron Maelstrom. So it could just be the case that the military of the Herald of Steel has retreated farther north. But it doesn't seem like you guys are seeing, like, you know, metal bodies anywhere or anything like that. Like, no mass destruction. But every it is pretty much a ghost town, though. So, would the party like to uh, ride off to uh, Riverwind? Or would you like to continue down the road? Time of day is it? It's only the morning now, so by midday you'd be able to reach Riverwind. Well, we could stop there for the night and try and get information. Even if we decide not to stay the night, I think we should at least pass through. Okay. So, uh, after about an hour or two of riding in on horseback, you guys uh, seem to follow the river, um, the River Lee, uh, to uh, Riverwind. Um, but what you notice as you get closer is that there are some sort of small settlements surrounding the... Dang, that's a lot of alliteration. Some small sort of settlements surrounding the castle of Riverwind. Um, but what you notice is there are no people within the houses. And as you get even closer to Riverwind, you can see that there's an encampment of tents and sort of like little lean-to establishments uh, sort of based around the rock walls of the castle. The castle itself has its outer wall all boarded up, and it seems like the main gates are all closed off. You can tell even from your distance here that you can see some, like, bowmen standing atop the parapets of the towers overlooking from the far wall out, and as you guys approach closer, you can tell that some people who surround the castle take notice of you guys riding up, and people upon the parapets also take notice of you guys walking up, and everybody seems to be looking your general direction, even from about 500, 600 feet away. Does it look like a siege? It definitely looks like a castle has decided to close up their, their uh, close themselves off. But the people surrounding, it looks like a little shanty village. Like there's not that many people out there. It's not like an army or something. So what would you like to do? Well, we've already been noticed. Approach with caution. I doubt they're just attacking anybody who approaches, right? One single arrow comes flying. 
No, that was kidding. probably an accident, right? Three more. <laughs> yeah, right. Again. Wow, that guy really, really needs to wash his hands. It's all slippery. Freaking butterfingers up there. Um. Okay. Uh, I guess so, no one's gonna hands up, don't shoot, uh, his way towards the shanty town. Yeah, it doesn't seem like anybody's got like bows like aimed at you or anything like that. It's just the bowmen are like watching as you're approaching. Um, but as you guys approach, uh, people immediately come running out of the little shanty shacks that have been sort of set up out here in all the tents, and people come rushing in your direction, running up to the horses, and um, a lot of these people seem to be in very poor condition. Uh, a lot of them wearing very light clothing, but the clothing itself seems to be tattered, um, and people seem to be begging you guys for money, but also begging for food, uh, rushing up to you and screaming for help. Um some of these people make it clear through their ramblings and screaming at you that they can't get into uh, Fort Riverwind and that the uh, bastard Tagore is not letting any of them in and that they've been, you know, ransacked. But one particular word seems to keep coming out from each and every one of these people's mouths as they say, we have been waylaid, we have been attacked by, and we have been raided by the gnolls. And it becomes very painfully apparent that a lot of these people are the survivors. And they say that they've had people taken away. They've had people like eaten directly in front of them. The savagery and the butchery that they've bared witness to is nightmarish. And they say that the castle has been closed off and they're not letting anybody in. And they're begging you, if you have any means to, to protect them and to help them. Well, we can certainly try and find out more about the gnolls and what's going on, but we'll definitely have to get in and talk to Tagora as well. And so, as you say that, um, one person seems to step forward. Um, she's a very beautiful looking woman wearing very simple robes, um, but as she steps Jar-Zak, forward... I swear to God, if you start talking now, I'm going to be so mad. She says... She says, I'm afraid you're likely not going to be able to get in there and talk to him. Her accent is thick, and it definitely sounds like that of somebody from Taihuan. Um, Her skin tone itself is a bit darker in complexion, um, and her short, short, dark black hair is sort of covered up in a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a very, what's it called? Like a parchment kind of color to the robes. But she um, pulls her little hood back, and she says, I'm afraid you're not likely going to be able to get into there. Oh, um. Do you know anything about it? And she says about the castle? I I suppose or just the gnolls and everything else. Or why he might not be letting people in. She looks around back and forth at all the people gathered here, and she says, the most that I can tell you, the most anybody can tell you, is that we haven't had gnolls behaving in this way in a very, very long time. A lot of people think some very awful things, but some believe their evil and wicked god of butchery must be coming back, and that's why the gnolls are behaving as they are. It's as if a tide of those furry beasts just seem to like roll over hills and just destroy entire settlements but 
I don't think anybody knows for certain what's going on around here. I do know, however, that there's no way we're going to get into this castle. And I don't think that Tagore is going to listen to anybody, not any one of us. I've been here with a few people. I was trying to help them with their caravan, but we got way late at one point. And unfortunately, not only were our goods taken, but much of the group were taken as well. I was able to escape, but my means are my business. From Have the gnolls been attacking your settlements from any particular direction? And with that, she says, as far as I know from the settlements around here, they've been attacking from near all ends. It seems like every cluster, every darkened area, there's a group of those gnolls waiting to attack. And it seems like somehow they have the speed and the tenacity, the leadership and the direction of, well, and she looks back up at the castle, hobgoblin, hobgoblin military forces. But at the end of the day, that's not really an issue I think any of us can solve. We're just trying to get by. But unfortunately, I have no horse. I have no money. I have no food. And I'm out of work. You have my sincerest apologies, good lady, but short of an audience with Togoro, I'm not sure there's much we can do for you. Our mission brings us further away into the south, and I can assure you that we will fell any knolls that we come across. But she sort of much... lifts she lifts an eyebrow, as you mentioned, going to the south, and she says, Are you headed to Shakli? Indeed. Is that the end of your journey? We hope to continue you... on further to the south from there. And with that, she gives sort of a, a knowing nod, and she says, I have been known to do very well protecting caravans, and I myself am a bit of a warrior. And she looks over every member of your party, realizing that armed to the teeth, she doesn't have very much she can add to this. But she says... You'll understand that my skills are limited in comparison to your own, but I would like nothing more than to perhaps join you on your way south. To Calqui, was it? I don't believe I mentioned. Or that she gives a, a knowing nod and she says, I don't know that anybody heads to the southlands of Taihalon for much else, but I'm very familiar with the place. And pardon me from saying it, but it seems like none of you are from there or know the place well enough. Perhaps I could be of some use to you. If you would allow me to confer with my party for just a moment, uh, Norhill's going to gather everybody, uh, huddle up. So what do you think? Um... Liko wouldn't mind traveling with someone who knows the area and could help guide us. I mean, we've done it many times before when going into strange places. But she would like to uh, try and figure out this Knoll situation or at least help lessen some of the strain these people are feeling. As you mentioned this, one of the uh, 
more disheveled looking older people runs up to you guys and grabs Klika by like her her lapels and just like tries to hoist her up and he's just like listen here I don't think you could help us much if you tried a little, a little beast like you couldn't do much I've seen things that they've done I've watched them devour a, a person screaming alive I watched them eat finger from the hand, hand from the wrist. I watched every bit of flesh and bone devoured by them. You wouldn't stand a chance to help them. And he just sort of kills over, drops Klika, and just starts crying into his own hands, the filth running away from his hands as the teardrops land on them. And he says, please, I lost my children. I lost, I lost everything. Klika's just gonna, I guess, pat his head. Or try and hug him. Well, I don't know. Punch him. Yeah, uh, just just try and comfort this man. Um, well, you don't have to worry too much about Klika. I can promise you that much. But like I was saying, Norhill, I don't know. It'd be good if we could do something while we were here. Maybe you can, you and Anton and Jarzak can work on getting us an audience with Tagora and Klika might uh, do a little scouting with her um, you know draconic spirit friend alright uh, Norhill will leave the huddle and go back to the woman and say my party and I would be happy to accept the services of an experienced local guide and for now, we will do what we can for your people uh, and attempt to treat with Tagoro on your behalf. And with that, she smiles and holds out her hand and she says, I suppose we have an agreement, but before we agree on this fully, my rate, I request 100 gold pieces up front. Does anybody have uh, 20 gold pieces? Marl's <laughs> like picking pennies out of his butt crack to pay this lady. He's like, uh, hmm. It's like, nope, that's gum wrapper, uh, bottle cap. Ooh, hot pickle Tuesday wrapper. Ooh, yeah, one, we'll one, one, of, her, one, of, uh, one of Aldo's candies. Don't know can how that pay her in silver or copper, or does she? She's traveling have... with you. Don't wear her down. All right, I'll give her uh, 10 platinum then. Okay, so seeing the platinum pieces, her eyes light up and she sort of nods with a a look of being impressed. And she says, I suppose I didn't anticipate this, but looking at your steeds, I don't know what else I really could have anticipated. I, um, I thank you for the trust. And with that, she uh, puts the coins away into a small purse there. And she looks around and says, if you are looking to help these people, I think, unfortunately, the truth of the matter is a lot of them just want closure. I don't know how much you know about gnolls, but from what I've been able to gather from knowledge from other caravan guards is the gnolls, if they don't feast upon their prey on the location where they, well, find them, they take them back for dark rituals in their terrible lairs. If it is the case that we're going to find anybody left alive, they're going to be in dire straits and likely not around for long. 
but I suppose the choice is yours. I don't imagine Tagora cares one way or the other if these people have their families, but if we'd like to have a meeting with him, I'm sure he would be willing to listen to you if you have any certain importance to you, but I'm afraid he's not really in the mood to talk to random mercenaries. Well, I hope that he can be moved to help his people. Much as I would like to do everything I can for you, our homes in the Northland are also hard-pressed by a time of warfare. She nods and she says, I've heard very well of this, and for what it's worth, it's brought quite a lot of lucrative caravans up north. Say whatever you will about warfare, but it's made quite a lot of good business for people like myself. She lets out a very pompous little smirk and then immediately puts it away, realizing how in poor taste that is. Did she give us her name? Not yet. Okay. Well, once Kleeka pays her, she's gonna Kleeka will put out her hand and just say, um, hi, I'm Kleeka, by the way. She says, my name is Ashma. Ashma DeRose. Um, you notice as she shakes your hand that you feel a certain tingling feeling in your hand when she does so. Hmm. Uh, I stab her in the neck. Yes, Cleeka will just sort of. <laughs> I don't like look at her thinking. hand after she pulls it back and see if there's anything weird going on. And so with that, she picking up very clearly on your uh, noticing your hand tingling says, "Oh, I'm sorry. That's, I suppose, just a quirk. No need to mind it." Oh, okay. I mean, it it's nothing to worry about. He says, not unless you do me wrong. Mm, probably not. I like thinking Kalika sized her up first and was like, mm, I'll do what I want. <laughs> Let's see about Shut it. Shut the hell up. Probably won't, but you never know. Um, okay. So the party, otherwise realizing that now might be a good time to try to get the attention of the guards in hopes of speaking with Tagora, uh, the party are able to walk up to the gate if they'd like to. Indeed. So as they march up and have their group of, uh, dingy, dirty survivors peel away from them, uh, even Ashma giving you your space there, the party walk up to the gate and a couple of men yell down from on top of the tower. One of them shouting out, he says, What is your business here? I mean, I think the plan was Klinka was going to go scout the area from the sky while the party did this, right? So we Yeah, could... that sounded like the plan. Yeah, so we don't lose too much daylight. So. Do, do bear in mind that turning, uh, summoning a dragon spirit and flying it around a castle in a time like this may not uh, come off I as mean, very she, nice. She, she wasn't going to fly it towards the castle at all, really. Like She was going to take I'm off just and saying. sort of like and she also wasn't going to walk up to the gates either. She was going probably away from where all the people out front are and at least some distance. And then she'll do it. But like, yeah, it wasn't meant to be a show of force or 
as clumsy as you're describing. No, no, no. I'm just making sure for my own sake, so I don't have to yeah. describe you guys getting attacked. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> didn't walk up to the gate and be like, "Oh no, I have something to do." And I'm, just suddenly there's just a so, large draconic creature. So in that case, uh, does that mean that Jarzak and Anton are going to be following Norhill up to the gate? I can join Norhill. Anton will go as well. So as you uh you three walk up to the gate and the um refugees seem to peel away from you guys, um it uh becomes very apparent as the uh guard shouts down and says, State your business that you guys are definitely not in a place where you're recognized, and you're definitely not in a place that's just looking to let anybody in. Like this is not a this is definitely a wartime kind of thing, you know? Norhill will shout up. We are emissaries from the north, and we would speak with the Lord Tugoro. And one of the men shouts back, and he says, um, he says, Tugoro is not speaking with emissaries, no matter how important they may be. I understand that his lands are in very dire straits. I would very much like to get a better picture of the situation. And perhaps maybe we can work out something that can be done with these refugees. Okay. Do you want to roll me a persuasion check on that? No, I would prefer that they just let me in, but 14. Okay. So with that, they both look at each other sort of puzzled by this. And they say, at this point in time... We do not think it's necessary that you speak with Tagora. Please respect the privacy and the security of this location. You may stay outside of the castle walls with the rest of them. Uh, Norhill is going to, like, sidebar with uh, Anton and Jarzak <coughs> and say, I know these to be a very uncompromising and legalistic people. I'm not sure what else I can do. Uh, I guess Jarzak will step up and shout up. Uh, perhaps we can provide aid to the city. We're very capable then, fighters. With that, the other one sort of steps forward and he says, I'll explain this to you as you seem like outsiders. The gnolls are relentless, and they will be until their hunger is either satiated, which is impossible, or they die off. We're hoping that if we can keep the doors shut for long enough, they will starve themselves, cannibalize themselves, and we will have no more gnolls to deal with. There is no aid you could provide to us unless you somehow manage to vanquish them yourselves. But I warn you, even you all look like you're well, perhaps you're foolish enough to try. You wouldn't know what? Be, Do just that. Wouldn't be the first time we killed hundreds of gnolls. Would it be? I feel like it would be. Why don't you go ahead and roll that deception? Even I had a moment where I was like, did we fight gnolls? I think me and Ryan counted it one time, like not too long ago, how many different monsters or creatures you've encountered. And we got over a hundred different monsters in this campaign already. So say what you will, but there is diversity. But I don't think gnolls have made it to the menu yet, have they? 
I don't believe so. I, I'm, I don't, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Knowles are new to this campaign. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. There's a chance was, you actually didn't have to bluff. Uh, Seventeen. Okay. Um. So with that, one of the two of them's jaw sort of drops for a moment, and he says, "There's no way. Where did you fight these Knowles?" Uh. We fought them just north a bit, up by the halls. And with that, they both look at each other and kind of nod a couple times, and they say, "Have you found any any way to 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 deter them?" Uh, I'm pretty sure you you got kind of the right idea. You just gotta take them out. But having people well, out here will feed them and they'll keep spawning more. So that that might not be the best. Because they'll have that, food. They look back and forth at one another and they say, that is a risk we're willing to take, unfortunately. I mean, how many months are you prepared to be locked up for? And then they Long have enough? a very proud look. They have a very proud look on their face when they say. Fort Riverwind has been ready for sieges longer than this. We have withstood year-long sieges, and we will do it again. Year-long? That's that's very impressive. Jarzak's like, you know what? They might have this. All right, bye. <laughs> I'm like, fucking side quest make me feel incompetent. Go fuck yourself, Riverwind. So there's no way you let us in to talk to your say, your king. And with that, they say, there's no reason we can think of why we need your help or anybody else out there. Unless Anton has anything else to add to this. Mm. Not really. I think I'm going to observe. I don't want to stir the pot. Okay. Especially somewhere we don't know. We don't really have a sway in things. True. Okay. I'll so I suppose the rest... More Hill and Anton. Uh, do we just, like, tonight, just put a hole in the side of their castle? Oh my god. Because... No, I don't think so. I'm not willing to make an enemy of Lord Goro. We might just have to admit that this is one problem we don't have the time, means, or influence to fix. I mean, we could also just fly right in. We don't need a gate. Kind of, I'm kind of on par with Norhill on this one. Missions have just been so much easier, especially on a diplomatic end, simply because of the sway of who we were and power we could wield this feels a little bit different with time we might be able to weigh the wear them down and eventually win an audience but i don't see us having that amount of time so hmm. we go with the whole idea and help the gnolls you know jarzak just wants to be on the winning team okay I think we do what we can for the people trapped outside the walls and move on. 
For what it's worth, we haven't encountered any gnolls on the road leading north. If they flee that way, it should at least be relatively safe. Jarzak's going to shout up. What uh, direction do they usually come from? And they both look kind of confused, but one of them shouts as he uh, points back to the north where you guys came from, and they said, they've been raiding smaller settlements in the in the plains out north. We have a bad feeling they're coming farther south soon. Yeah, that checks out. I mean, except no, it kind of doesn't. Um, Noro would like to roll an insight on that. I mean, you guys really have been sticking directly to the road, so is there a chance of that? Sure. There's a couple settlements, one to the northeast and one to the northwest, and they're pretty sizable, so it's possible. Uh, that's an 11, so yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Okay. So I suppose as the uh, three of you head back over to Ashma and speaking with the uh, refugees there, uh, Kalika has gone off onto Kalika's quest, and after sneaking far enough away and conjuring a draconian spirit, um, which draconian spirit did you conjure? Meet a new dragon recently? I don't think so, right? No. The last dragon we met was the silver dragon. I was going to say, I think it was mm -hmm. the silver, right? Yeah, Tai a little awkward. Yeah, that'd be a little awkward. No, uh, we can stick with uh, the tried and true. Okay, buddy from Corydale, Tartharja. Yeah, yeah. So as you uh summon good old Tartharja, the uh golden ghostly spirit of the dragon, um, you take off, and I imagine you just kind of circle around looking in the sky from a higher vantage point just for any sign of anything? I mean, yeah, I have like an hour, so I, I would have gotten the location of the nearest settlement that had been attacked and headed in that direction to see what I could discern from the sky. Okay. So as you fly north, northeast or so, um, you do come across uh, a couple of houses and some small buildings that are assembled into a bit of a circle here. Uh, a hamlet, which, judging by the smoke gently billowing from one of the buildings, seems to have been a target of the Knoll's raiding. And the distance away from the castle itself leads you to believe that the savagery that took place just like, again, like a few hours march away from the castle, it just, it... I don't know. The fact that this happened so close and it didn't get to the castle is one thing. But the second thing is seeing like the limbs and the bloodstains and just the level of like just carnage that's left behind here is like genuinely stomach turning. It looks like a tornado of razor blades just flew through here. You know, like it is it is very unsettling, um, almost as unsettling as the fact that most of the meat seems to have been stripped away from some of the bodies. Um yeah, but uh, I guess the question is, would you like to continue traveling in the same general direction, flying around looking for other settlements? Yeah, I mean, from the air, what are these are mostly grassy plains, right? Yeah, so you got a very good vantage point. Yeah, from the air, can I like see any discernible, like 
way that a large group of gnolls would have like pressed down and traveled through the grass is it more obvious from the sky that i could sort of um i guess to answer your question without answering that point you can see smoke farther off in the distance Go ahead that way then. Okay. So heading off in that direction, um, as you get closer, you can tell that there is a certain level of noise in the distance too. The cacophony of screeching, howling noises, uh, and the darkness of the, the twinge to the smoke being a darker gray to a black kind of color leads you to believe that this place is currently uh, being raided. And unfortunately, the closer you get and the more you can see, uh, there seems to be a mass of brown and yellow and black polka-dotted fur just kind of like covering the ground here, like a moving mass of fur. And the closer you get, the more you see like bright splashes of red every once in a while and the lighting of fires and stuff like that. It's just, it is, you could probably calculate just from the air where you are, there's got to be at least close to a hundred of these knolls. And this place is just so swamped that you would imagine that this hamlet probably only had 30 or 40 people in it total. And with just the level of like savagery going on here in the matter of like two to one on every single person here, it is it is an unfathomable amount of violence, something that rivals anything you've seen in your adventuring career. Um, and so from a very safe distance watching this unfold, you can see groups of the gnolls seeming to uh rush off into the distance heading off to the east like pure east towards uh the coastline but they seem to be rushing off on all fours and running away um taking with them what appear to be sacks of things and potentially sacks of body parts and potentially sacks of the living um but it's just it again it is so bestial it is so primal watching them doing this that it's like sickening in a in a strange kind of way watching pure instinctual savagery like this sort of makes Klika feel very uneasy okay um the there's like no defenders or anything left right this is already sort of past its peak yeah, one would be willing to say from the size of this place, the defenders of this were probably a few of the people of town armed with pitchforks and, right. you know, bent rusty sword. So they right. had absolutely no chance. Can Klika follow the ones that are fleeing for a while then? Yep. Uh, I will say you definitely run a risk of being noticed just because it's broad daylight and you're out in the fields. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. fine. Okay. So as you uh, go darting off after them, keeping a distance enough that you can watch them like little specks kind of running across the grasslands, after about another 10 minutes or so, um, you can tell they seem to be... Um... Oh, shoot. That's the other problem. I mean, you on the dragon's back, the time on the spell's about to run out. Are you going to cast it again to be able to... Uh... Yeah. Okay, good. I was going to say, because that'd be kind of awkward if you just, like, fall from the heavens and just down to the ground. Um, yeah, fine. But okay. that's, that's so as you... Uh, goes. <laughs> looks up at the advancing <laughs> Noel Horde. Hi, I'm Kleeka. Yeah. <laughs> but after spending another 30 or so minutes of following them out of here, you can see something of, like, a drop-off point where a few other gnolls 
have already been sort of sitting and waiting. Um, this drop-off point looks almost kind of like some sort of a stonehenge kind of circle of stones with one large stone that seems to be of a foreign soil just sort of planted here amongst the rest of them. Um, the brutal, disgusting reality of this is you can tell that there are like bones and body parts surrounding the large stone in the center and the level of blood stain on it is is like it, this place is just painted red. Um, you can see not too far off in the distance on a bit of a hillock, there appears to be a small stone structure, like something of like an old lookout point or an old tower or something that seems to have crumbled. Um, but the uh, gnolls gathered here in the camp, once they see the other ones arriving, just start gathering around them and start just like attacking at the bags that are on their backs. Judging by the squealing, screaming noises you can hear from some of the bags, it does seem like there are some living individuals within some of these. How many gnolls are there? Uh, here, in total, it definitely seems we're, like we're pushing a hundred. And amongst them are like a fleet of hyena. Hmm. Okay. Uh, unless Klika can pick out any of the bags that she can definitely tell have living people in them and get down and make just like a quick swoop at those to try and grab them. She's probably gonna break off here and start heading back. Yeah, making... I was gonna say the unfortunate reality is they're already like just swarming the bags and beating them up and just like terrorizing the living with inside of them. So I don't think you'd have a clean ability to do that. But I imagine you probably haul off as fast as you can to get back to the castle and tell them what you've seen. Right. Okay. So I suppose we will end with Klika returning and running out from the lookout spot where the dragon seemed to have landed and disappeared mysteriously uh, back up to the uh, refugees in the party to tell them that she thinks she knows where the gnolls currently are uh, with a group of people. So... Yeah. All right. Hey, everyone. I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.